Embarking on a transatlantic relocation with a toddler and a baby sounds pretty stressful at the best of times. Imagine having to do it in the middle of a global pandemic with very little notice and not knowing for sure if your plane would even take off. Now that's an experience that takes time to process. Hello and welcome to this week's You OK podcast. We've made it to a new stage of our response to the pandemic and it feels honestly like it's brought its own kind of anxiety with it as we sort of collectively step out with trepidation, hoping to get to move only forward from here. But, you know, time will tell. And if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that anything could happen. Today I'm joined by Donald Skihan, who you will of course know from any one of a number of TV shows, whether he's been your kitchen hero or you followed him on gastronomic odysseys through Europe, Vietnam and beyond. He's also a best-selling author of nine cookbooks. And I know many of us have been reaching into his bank of recipes for food to soothe the soul and lift the spirits during this crisis. So of course, we're going to talk about food. First though, Donal and his family are now based at home in Dublin, but began the pandemic living in Los Angeles with plans to maybe move home during the summer. But of course, an escalating situation put pressure on them to upstick sooner than they'd anticipated. And with that, a whole host of stresses came barreling down upon them. It's been really difficult, actually, being really honest with you. It's been, I kind of, you know, the way you get off a flight and, you know, after a holiday or something, you kind of think, oh, no, I'll just take me a few days and I'll get back up and run and have a cup of tea and a bit of toast and I'll be back Mm. in Ireland. But no, this is like, it's been a slow process just to get my head together, just to kind of almost kind of deal with what we've done, which is essentially had a baby in the last like six months. We uh, we kind of almost forget sometimes this has been a new addition to the family. We've decided to move home and then we had to do all of that in the midst of a pandemic. So it was um, it was extremely, extremely difficult. There was nothing I could do nothing bar just get through what we had to get through. And and everything, you know, we talk about we, we spoke about this whole fight or flight mode. And that's exactly what we've been in. And almost since um, Oliver, our, our second son, was born, because you kind of, you know, in new baby land, you're in exactly that same sort of mind where it's like, OK, I have to fix this and that has to happen here. And, you know, and, and we were kind of doing that in Los Angeles without the support system that most families have as well. So we were kind of reliant on close friends that we had out there. But at the same time, it's just never the same as having it um, as kind of as close as it is if it's family members. So there's there's been a lot (laughs) as I unpack it in the last couple of weeks, you know. When people talk about the most stressful things you can go through in life, it's always a death, a divorce and moving house. And you moved continent, you moved from L.A. back to Dublin And you were rushed into it. You couldn't even take your time because of everything that was going on. So you kind of had to just take your window and get out of there. So I can imagine that coupled with the new baby, you've just no bandwidth. I'm not joking when I say like it's literally taken to now to kind of find those rhythms and those routines again that kind of make you feel normal because for a very long time it has been that kind of mode of like what's next what needs to be packed here how do we get how do we get around the fact that this flight has been cancelled and how do we get around the fact that there's people coming to pack up our life and and also over and above that you know I think we had been toying with the idea of coming home to Ireland since last summer and we've been talking about it kind of privately um since then 
And, you know, even when we were kind of, even around January, February, we were toying with the idea and, you know, we were kind of going, oh, maybe we'll just come back for the three months, you know, for the summer and enjoy the best of, of what Ireland has. Yeah. And then, you know, we, you know, in some ways, and, and I always do believe it, that in life things kind of come for a reason. And, you know, we were we were somewhat forced to kind of go and, and make that decision and the, or the decision was somewhat made for us because our um, our the place we were renting in, in L.A., the lease was up in uh, at the end of April and we had planned for that and we were going to come back regardless but we didn't know what it would look like and so then we found a place in Ireland and then they wanted us to move in as soon as possible so we were we were just in this kind of absolute limbo land and all the while you know we were we were listening and I was just I was obsessed with reading the news about you know yeah. where because I had been watching it since kind of January you know right. as it had un unfolded and and kind of um, where it was going and just knowing that it was going to get worse before it got better and especially with like leaving LA like I, I love that city my Sophie said how are you feeling about it and I said I'm heartbroken I'm heartbroken because it's just it's food wise it's exciting it's electric you know there's so much and, and I know there's so much of that going on back home but I um, I was kind of caught up in a, in a moment with Los Angeles so I, I think in some ways not being able to say goodbye to it properly has has actually taken a bigger toll than I could have ever imagined um so I think it's it's all of that that's kind of been part of why it has been a bit of a struggle but you know that being said we are so bloody grateful to be home you know like mm. it's just you know at time especially now you know we're we have friends back in LA and they're locked down basically till the end of the summer and Oof. I can tell you the heat during the the, the, the summer months are, is excruciating I know as an Irish person you should never complain about the heat but like it is uh, it's intense and I can't imagine what it would be like with two kids you know having to stay at home like that but oh um, God, but yeah, yeah. I, I suppose in that way we're kind of we're just about we're, we're back in the land of the living I think I mean as you talk about it I have such a kind of palpable sense of oh, like me. I can feel my own heart rate rising as I'm listening. I'm thinking, oh my god! Can you I, I, even talking about it, Jan? It must have taken quite a bit of time to just decompress. You must have known what way was up when you first landed home. There was so much anxiety attached to it. Like my poor mother and father were like watching flights and when the dog was to come over as well and that yeah. was his flight got cancelled. He was stuck in London and mm. then there was this whole thing and then our flight got cancelled on the Wednesday and we couldn't fly till the Friday. And like, But at that moment in time, you thought maybe we'll never get out. This is us now for the next four or five months that we don't know what. Yeah. And, and also we're we're having to get out of this house. So, you know... So it was just, it was this absolute anxiety um, that, that we were kind of in the midst of. And when we mm. did get back, you know, um, my parents had the two cars. So my mom drove her car and my dad drove his car. And then they got both into the one car and had to watch us unpacking about like 15 bags into oh into God. a car. Um, and like all from not being able to help us and not being able to hold the kids or hug them and everything like that. So it was just, it was, it was cruel in some ways. But, you know, we again, like we were just at that stage, we were just so happy to be here and just so grateful that we could have made it work because there was just every every avenue and every corner had a bit of a pitfall and everything had just a bump in the road on the way to there like even when we got to the airport I couldn't like I like I told him like, I'm gonna have to get a feckin you know wrench to unclench my jaw after this because yes, it's God, just so like you got to the airport and then they were like in the middle of the pandemic they were telling us that our feckin bags are overweight and had us repack bags I was what? gonna I was gonna cry that sort of thing like you know in a normal situation it can be stressful 
stressful enough. But like in that situation, it's like anything that kind of came your way was just like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to, you know, this is the end now. This, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And again, like I ha we've moved into a house that I have never, we had never viewed. You know, we were going oh, on iPhone pictures and things like this. So like oh you came to the house and you're going, oh my God, like, well, okay, so this is where we're at now. And this is it now. And so this is going to be the new life, you know. So it's just been, it's been a, been a bit crazy. But I do think, you know, it, it's acknowledging the fact that you have to take the time to allow that. And I think I am not good with that because, you know, normally speaking, I want a solution. I want a, you know, a yeah. long checklist of what we're going to do and then we're going to do it. But for this, it actually was more of a kind of a, a mental decompressing that needed to take place. And, and really that has only taken place in the last two weeks for me, you mm -hmm. know, and just finding space and routines to kind of take a walk or, you know, you know, just creating space that, you know, yourself, you can get if you make the time. You strike me as somebody who you're such a worker that I can imagine oftentimes a coping mechanism is to just throw yourself into work. And that's not available to us now. So it's literally like, oh, God, I'm, act I'm actually yeah. going to have to process this. Damn it. And I, and I think you said in one of your previous podcasts, you know, it affects everyone in so many different ways, you know, whether whether you're, you're going, you know, whether you're at the front of it or you're just sitting at home, it is something that kind of eats in at you. And, you know, for me personally, from a work place, you know, we were due to, I was actually, one of the main reasons we were coming home in May was to film the next TV show for RT. And um, we were all gearing up for that. And in the, in the midst of all the move and everything like that, we were still taking the conference calls to figure out, you know, what recipes are going where and who's mm. going to shoot this and all that sort of stuff. And then, as soon as kind of lockdown stopped around, I think it was around Paddy's day, you know, that that kind of, you know, cancelled itself out, I suppose. Yeah. And we'll, we'll look at doing it later in the year. But I suppose it's it's quite sobering in some ways because you are on this trail. And I, I personally speaking, you know, beyond COVID and everything like that, there's been this treadmill of work for the last 10 years, essentially, you know, since I started. And, you know, having something like this does force you to kind of look at where you're at and does force you to kind of go what's you know what's the most important thing and and personally speaking having had you know um two kids in the last three years that has in itself kind of started to fray a little bit in the sense that you know you're trying to kind of push this juggernaut along and you're trying to move this you know mountain but it becomes just so much harder when you you know you have kind of other priorities and you know the kids are one of the easily easily most kind of you know humbling thing to have <laughs> because <laughs> it, you know when a nappy needs change it needs change now it doesn't yeah. you know it can't wait for a call that, <laughs> that that needs to be done so so in in a way you know that has kind of changed where we're at and you know even the stop that covid has created in some ways has kind of allowed us to go what's important and even coming home has has been a big part of that because it you know the decision to come back has been very much in in keeping with what is most important i think in lots of ways coming home was a really important um point for us right now now that the that the decompression you've kind of moved through the phase <laughs> of fleeing la and now that you've had a chance to stand still like what are the sort of go-to things that have helped you to just sort of slowly but surely decompress and come back to yourself highs and lows have always been part of what we do and you know I way back before I was even doing food we, we had I was in a pop band and I remember one of the 
best things that we'd ever done was we'd supported the Pussycat Dolls and we were playing in front of 16,000 people. And I remember it was the most like alive feeling of just like electricity and rawness and just wow. wow. And then I remember the next day having got back up from Cork and sitting in my parents' house (laughs) in bed at about like two o'clock in the day going, (laughs) oh, there's the low. Uh, That's what that feels like. And kind of I always think back to that moment of like, that's a really good example of just like, you know, it's it's always been for me there's always been elements of that in, in life and i ha- i kind of know what i need to go back to when it comes to situations like this now obviously this one is is slightly different but probably possibly one of the hardest ones we've kind of experienced but um for me it's it's going getting out early in the morning before anything else steals your attention you know just Mm. literally getting out of bed not even thinking just pulling on whatever clothes are at the end of the bed and literally getting out the door because i find you know and and, and i know most people you know experience that as well is that like if you pick up your phone you just it 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 absorbs your mind and and kind of starts you down a path of creating kind of illusions in your head you know and things that aren't necessarily the truth so getting out and getting fresh air is probably the one thing and you know that has become a little trickier with with um, young kids but we've kind of myself and Sophie have a deal at the moment where I go out for the first hour and a half and she goes out for the second hour and a half and we kind of tag team in that sense and it's been absolutely a, a game changer just you know trying to get our head around starting the day right yeah um meditation is is another that I, I've kind of dabbled with a lot over the years um I'm absolutely crap at it sometimes <laughs> really really zen other times you know where <laughs> I, I can kind of visualize a blue dot and just keep pushing like thoughts out of my mind um, and then other times you know I'm sitting there for 10 minutes thinking of all the million things I have to do so it's it, but at the same time you know whatever short form or shape it takes it has always kind of meant that it's a stop and you know mm. that stop is an important one to do especially when you know your thoughts are just kind of going crazy and even stopping and letting your mind kind of run like that helps yeah. um, and then food I mean food is the obvious one because you know it's it's what I do for a living and you know having the time to really feed yourself with good food because like as much as I say you know it's my job it is one thing that kind of falls by the wayside because, you know, I often get highly frustrated. I've written about this in, in a few cookbooks about the fact that it's, if I find it so frustrating that even though I do this all day, every day, thinking about, you know, what dishes, demoing dishes, whatever it might be, when it comes to our own dinner, you know, we're scrambling to put something together just, you know, to, to feed ourselves. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, like, how, you know, how have we got to this point? So a lot of that kind of comes back to, you know, the, the spinning, you know, there's, there's too many plates spinning and actually coming Mm. back and going what are we having for dinner and what is it going to do for us and is it going to feed us with good nutrients and all the things you need because often you find you know and I, I listen to kind of um different podcasts about it and you know it's that holistic approach to where you're at mentally and there is lots of things like that like meditation exercise um and and feeding yourself and if you can't kind of tick those boxes often it's just one of those things that isn't kind of aligned and if you can kind of find that alignment it often gets you in a better place or shifts a gear into another kind of realm that allows you to kind of experience life a little bit differently and and food definitely helps in that sense and I myself you know despite the meals and minutes and all the things like that you know I go in and out of phases of cooking dinner for for the family and you know Sophie Sophie sometimes takes over and but when I'm in that really kind of zen mode it is kind of prepping in advance and it's really kind of looking at what we're eating and 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 also not the pressure of having to cook for family it's like what what am I gonna have for dinner that's gonna push you know push the buttons in the right way you know. At the moment you know do you have or even generally do you have 
types of food or particular meals that you know when you're in a slump, you're like, I'm going to cook this. It's going to make me <laughs> feel amazing. I think anything in a warm bowl tends to be nourishment. I mean, I, I, I've, ha- I've written books about kind of healthy eating, but my, my approach really has always been about kind of, you know, finding comfort in, in really nutritious food. You're not confined by a recipe and you're just in the kitchen. And, you know, I, it's not even specific foods for me. It's, it's the actual kind of finding the time to be in the kitchen and enjoy it and unclenching the jaw and actually going, okay, I'm going to make something nice. I made a kind of a spring minestrone soup the other day and it literally just used up all the green stuff in the fridge. Mm. You know, I had a really good chicken stock that I just made from a few roasts. Um, I, I say I say that so flippantly, but I know people <laughs> kind of go, oh yes, I just ripped up a bit of organic chicken stock. But you know, I, I, had, I had two roast chickens. I bunged them in a pot, put in some water and let them blip away in the corner. So like I had some really nice stock. So that kind of made the basis of this soup. And it was just one of those kind of absolutely comforting moments where you know I I get great joy when uh, the whole family uh, enjoys the food I cook I've never been one you know and we're, I know we're still at early doors with the kids but I've, I'm not really into the whole idea of making little bites and doing little things like that I, I, I want you know I want the whole family to dig in and enjoy the food we, the one meal we've cooked you know when you're when you've nothing else to do and it is your focus and you're as you described thinking about how good this is for me how this is going to make me feel great and it's going to really comfort me and it's amazing you know in the course of the the cookbooks and the tv shows like there are those ones that you kind of come back to time and time again because of their ease and because of their you know their ability to kind of give you great results and you know i've i think we did a count on it and i think there's like there's thousands of recipes we've written and you know it's that moment where you kind of go back to the ones that really sing through like the other day i made cupcakes and i haven't made cupcakes in yonks because our, our neighbors dropped in some things and just like just little kind of moments like that and i think a lot of people you know you see this huge huge interest I mean, my, my website has crashed a few times during this pandemic because people are just searching for, for, for comfort. They're searching for food and they're searching for comfort. And, you know, I know myself, you know, I'm looking at what's popular and beyond the banana breads and things like that. It's, it is, you know, slow cooked braised things. It's, it's, people are, are looking for that comfort. And I think, you know, when you find that and you find the moment to do it and the time to do it, it is such a, a sense of satisfaction. And food, food is lovely in that way that, you know, I, I, you know, the last kind of two TV shows, we've had this five minute meal challenge. And, you know, I, I guess I get people giving out about it and I get people who absolutely love it. But the whole bones of it is just to kind of show how easy it is. But I can tell you that my pandemic cooking has looked nothing like that. <laughs> There's been no headless chickens in my kitchen. I've just been plodding along until I find something to eat, you know. I mean, I have to say, I pretty much am convinced that you're patient zero on the banana bread. I was not aware of banana bread pretty much at all during this pandemic until you posted your aunt's recipe with a little bit of like chocolate chips in it. And suddenly I couldn't move for banana bread wall to wall everywhere. I think it was you. There was a Ross O'Carroll Kelly um, article written about it. That's probably what crashed the website. banana bread just like that recipe has been sitting on my website for the last like 10 years and all of a sudden it gets its moment now but (laughs) you know it's it's funny to kind of see this sort of thing and I actually I just wrote a piece for the Irish Independent recently about uh, non-sourdough breads because I think I I worry I fear for the amount of failed sourdough starters there are around the country (laughs) bags of flour wasted to this like horrible burpee (laughs) slop in a jar I mean, this is totally non-pandemic related, but I'm just curious as you were talking, all of the recipe development that you do, all of the recipes that you've now, the bank of them that you've built up over the years, 
Is it like songwriting? Is it that you're kind of walking down the street and you just suddenly get a little germ of an idea and then you just play with it? Like, how do recipes come to you? Yes, Jan, it's exactly like so- the artistic <laughs> re- development. <laughs> artistic <laughs> routine of writing. You are song. the Bert Bacharach of baking. I am the... <laughs> Bert Bacharach has that kind of cool. Does he, is, he, is he really cool? I don't know. Ah, oh, he totally is. Bert, Bert Bacharach transcends everything. He just I, is. I've cool. been told many times I'm the Daniel O'Donnell of cooking. So uh. another legend. So that's completely fine. Yeah, fine, yes. smooth operator. No, um, I, I mean for me that I, I think you know there is moments where you go, oh my god, we've written like so many recipes over the years, and there's so many kind of things that you've done, and and some many that you wouldn't want to revisit, and many that you do. Revisit. <laughs> Is it? But like there is that kind of the, the beautiful thing about food is the this the evolution of of how you come to it and and I think you know everyone experiences that you know you might not have ever heard about um, zog a Middle Eastern ingredient but then you come across it and you try it and then all of a sudden it's something you have to make so for me it's it's very much in that sort of vein where like you know and that's why I loved living in Los Angeles as much as I did because you know beyond the whole what everyone kind of imagines of it of palm trees blue skies and you know ridiculously good looking people um it, it you know <laughs> the food scene is phenomenal and mm. it, it has this authenticity that um I don't think you really see as a tourist because I think you kind of make a list based on whatever you see in a guidebook but actually what's really impressive about LA's food scene is the is these street mall or strip mall um restaurants that that are mom and pop style, you know, places where it's an Armenian family who've come into the, who, who, you know, came to LA years and years ago and they've built up this business and it's really good, authentic Armenian food or, you know, in the San Gabriel Valley, very close to where we had we were living, you know, they have some of the most incredible Asian food outside of Asia. Mm. And, you know, you could get Vietnamese banh mi or you could go down and get uh, really incredible Sichuan food. So for me, I just love that because I could, you know, and, and also it's not too expensive. So like you're going in and you're trying really authentic food. And I just love those sorts of big flavors. And in a lot in a lot of those cuisines, they, they kind of that, that's what they're made on. So for me, that sort of idea of trying things and tasting things and experiencing something new you know mm. uh, on a Sunday my favorite thing to do was go to this like and, and especially when we had visitors was to go to this great um, Vietnamese pho restaurant where literally they would you'd come in the door and they'd, they'd everyone in the restaurant would turn and look at you <laughs> <laughs> And like it was that sort of place, and I love that, you know, because it's mm. it's a, it's an authentic experience, and it's you know you're you're really getting great food, and um, it's those sorts of things that kind of form memories for me, and they form kind of ideas, and a lot of the recipes are developed off that. But then you know that is one kind of element of it, and then on the other side of it, it, it is literally being in the kitchen, and it's five o'clock, and I've got frozen peas and onion, <laughs> some chicken stock, and. <laughs> And, and the, the basically not much will to live at that point. So <laughs> that sometimes also informs how my recipes uh, come about. So it's 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 some sort of cross section between those. One of my very good friends many years ago, if you came home and found her with a takeaway, you'd be like, "What what happened here?" And she'd go, "I I I let my vegetables down." <laughs> <laughs> it was basically where, that. where she would have bought the vegetables in a shop at the week and then just looked at them and gone, these are so beyond dead. I, I have let my vegetables down. I suffer from this all the time where like I go to this, the shop or whatever and I come back with like this 
amazing selection of things and I can see my wife going yeah I can see where they're all going to be <laughs> dying in the bottom of the fridge <laughs> but actually a really good tip because this is one that I use mm-hmm. um, more more so than uh, more so now washing your veggies getting whatever prepping as much as you can before you put it away that is my like goal at the moment and it's just kind of it means that you've looked at it before you shove it into the back of the press or the fridge or yes. whatever so Good it idea. definitely helps. And my other thing is um, lots of resealable lunch boxes or like Tupperware boxes. Um, we have, I have a collection of these and they're great because if you wash veggies or you chop veggies or whatever, you're literally putting them into the, into the fridge and you've thought about where they might go. So it just kind of, it just helps bring you along the journey of where those veggies go and you won't let your veggies down as much as you possibly might have. That is a wonderful <laughs> hack. I love it. You've already kind of engaged with your veggies. They are alive to you. You're yes. not going to let them down. You haven't let them down. You've had I a conversation it. with them before you put them away. <laughs> well, listen, Donald, thanks so much. And no, thank you. And oh. I have to say, I have to stop and say, because honestly, I got you, you messaged me about this podcast and uh, and I was in the throes of, of madness. So I didn't get a chance to message you back. And I came across it randomly and listened to every single episode. And they have been on my walk in the mornings on the headphones and they've helped so much. So it has been an absolute pleasure to do this podcast and I really think a lot of people are going to get so much out of these so I don't know if you'll cut this I don't know if you'll keep it in but I absolutely love the podcast so congratulations <laughs> Donald thanks so much for your time thank thanks you so much I'm off to go lie down in a dark room <laughs> good man I'm going off to talk to my vegetables perfect, perfect. see ya <laughs> Whilst it's good for us to sometimes connect to the weight of everything that's going on at the moment and have, you know, a tangible understanding of what's at stake in this, it's so important to be able to just have a chat and a laugh as well. Like, share stories about the ridiculous elements of this, the heartbreaking parts and the stuff that's helping to distract and give us a bit of a break. We are all of these experiences and we help each other by sharing them. One thing that really resonated with me from the chat with Donal is that idea of getting up and out first thing before you have a chance to even pick up the phone and get distracted. A good start to the day just helps tee you up to manage what's going to come your way as the day develops. Of course, it's yet another thing. Do I ever do it? No, but Donal has inspired me. Maybe I'll do it from now on. The other thing, of course, is not to think of food as like a head scratcher of a problem each evening, but to try and focus on the ritual, the goodness you're giving yourself, the time to slow down, to create and to nourish. And that can be anything from eggs on toast to something more elaborate. And of course, if you need inspiration, you can find plenty of recipes, chat and links to cook along videos at donalskeehan.com. This podcast is created and edited by Paul Moriarty and me, Jani Lanagon. Thanks so much for spending time with us again today. I really hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk again soon. And in the meantime, mind yourself. If you or someone you know is living with a mental health difficulty, you can find helpline information at rte.ie forward slash support.